The opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily reflect those of the owner, staff, or management of this radio station. senses and challenge your beliefs a world where science and religion clash or do they you will meet real people and hear real stories but you will not believe you will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds but you will not believe this is the new england ghost project welcome to the Somewhere in Wales, you sound a little yeah. down in the dumps. I am, no, not at all. Oh, at all. maybe that's your happy voice, is it? Yeah, that's my happy voice. I was just going to say that. So, anyways, where are you in Wales? Are you in northern Wales, and southern Wales, eastern Wales, uh, or western Wales? Or the, in the, far sa- the far southwest corner. Hello. Now, what's happened? Hello? Where have you gone? Where have you gone? Hello? Hello, I can hear you. Well, I can't. I couldn't, but I can now. Oh, very good. There you go. Well, there you go. I was just telling you I live in the southwest of Wales, but then yeah, you disappeared. Well, you know, that's, that's... I mean, Wales is like the size of Rhode Island, right? Yeah, pretty much. But our capacity to co- might be small, but the capacity to cause trouble is unsurpassed. Really? Yeah, really. Mm-hmm. The whole of Patagonia is uh, apparently infested with Welsh people. Uh, there's nearly as many Welsh people there as there are uh, Irish people in Boston. Well, we have probably more Italians than Irish in Boston now, and yeah. I thought it was all po- uh, Irish people in Boston. I thought it was no, famous. No, not then. Not then. It's all they got the uh, Italians. You know, we, we, you know, we're a good diversity. America was built on. You keep dropping out. One minute you're there, the next minute you're gone. Really? Yeah. Apparently, it's you. Uh, I had a message. It's your, you're the one that's vanishing, not me. No, you're there. You're there, fine. Yeah, but you're not. Well, you know, what can I tell you? So, anyways, let's go on. Let's never mind the phones. We'll just deal with them, as usual. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, anyways, um, I, I was, uh, you know, my other show, Ghost Chronicles Morning Edition, uh, which is uh, 11 a.m. on Mondays on uh, WCCM, uh, Eagle Radio. But uh, this, the producer of the show is a guy named Lou Blassi, and he brought up a kind of interesting point. He, he, he just, we seem to be so fascinated by pieces of uh, memorabilia 
uh, of past that like we we hold them we just got to hold them we got to touch them we got to see them uh, what do you think that is steve is there a, some inherent energy that's there that we don't know but it, it triggers something in our brain I don't know about inherent energy, but it certainly does. Um, you know, I have a, a collection of old I know, that's why I wanted to ask you. Some, yeah. I, yeah, I was just, I was questioning myself as to why, why do I, I guess I just like being in touch with the past. It gives me a feeling of connection to it. Um, I don't think that there is anything spiritual or psychic about it. I, I just like to have some connection with the past or with a historic place or event. Um, you know, that, I can only answer for myself, but you know, I don't, I don't think of them in terms of uh, having an energy or uh, anything other than a direct connection. It puts me, I sort of, I guess, this might be a spiritual bond to the past, but nothing, nothing in a psychic way. You, you ever hear of the uh, the spirit consciousness in, in relation to what? It's it's basically uh, we're all connected in spirit. Uh, uh, oh yeah, yeah, I'm with you now. The the sort of um, this universal uh, consciousness, consciousness. This this yeah. uh, there, 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 it it goes through several religions, doesn't it? Uh, the mm -hmm. Buddhists um, and, and particularly the spiritualists all relate to this sort of uh, oneness. This this all-encompassing... In fact, wasn't it even in Star Trek? Didn't they Could have be. The, the Which one is that, though? There was something I really vaguely remember from Star Trek. Um, but, yeah, the idea isn't new. Uh, it certainly goes back, uh, you know, through, through uh, religions, thousands of years, this idea of a collectiveness, a collective consciousness, something... In fact, there's even been ideas that have been suggested whereby our brain is nothing more than the, the, the central processor, in effect, and that memory is all stored off, offline in some sort of giant hard drive uh, in the universe and we all can dip in and out and process those those in, uh, those memories that are stored it's not necessarily something I, I would subscribe to but it's certainly an idea that's been put about um, this idea that you know we are merely the processing engine and that all of our thoughts memories and emotions are stored away from away from us um, in some sort of super collective uh, consciousness I mean, in, in the quantum universe, basically, it. it uh, I mean, it, who's that anesthesiologist? Uh, Hemeroff, right? He's the one that believes in a lot of that. That when uh, we have a near-death experience, basically, there are our energy leaves our body, and then if we get revived, it goes back in as as energy. And it, it's uh, it, it's an interesting thing because they don't really know where you go when you go in that anesthesiology. Anesthesia, so it's it's an interesting concept. But anyways, it, it, what I was kind of getting at was that um, if objects, you know, the past is is important to us. Maybe we're connected to that spirit consciousness, and that's why we like them because it there's something. You know, people who uh, were there then is part of this consciousness, and so it's it's 
it's they're fond of that thing as as they had. So maybe that's why we're kind of connected in a way. I mean, you know, it's just just throwing it out there. There's no nothing based on anything. It's just kind of thinking about it. It's not something I've ever really thought about, to be honest with you. I, no, I've never not many really people have. No, and I've never really questioned why I like collecting old books or old historic artefacts or mm-hmm. visiting old places. It's just something I accept as part of me uh, without really questioning why. Um, I guess maybe I should. Um, never really thought about it. No, I mean, that's a cool thing. You know, my, I, my mind wanders everywhere. That's uh, <laughs> the way I am. And I'm always thinking of different angles. And, you know, some of it's just bullnocky, but some of it, you know what, hey, maybe there's a little truth there. Uh, I guess we're having a problem getting our guests, by the way. I just thought I'd let you know. Ah, well, talking about bullnocky, we watched The Patriot the other night. It was on British television. Uh, Mel Gibson. Yeah, kicked your ass, didn't uh, we? Yeah, well, you like to think you did. Um, Mel Gibson in his uh, remake of Braveheart. Mm-hmm. Uh, same film, different costume. Uh, let's great. all yeah. let's all kick the Brits' ass. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's a good it's a good romping movie. It is. I, I mean, you got to realize it's it's movie. That's what it is. I mean, and of course we have your uh, prince over here, and uh, he's doing uh, a lot of goodwill. Has he kept um, all his clothes on this time? Uh, you know what? He's an all right guy. What the hell? You know what? He, he's a regular guy. That's all. I mean, he, he was out there with the uh, wounded warriors and doing the Paralympic uh, uh, Olympics and all this. Uh, no, excuse me, the wounded warrior games. And uh, you know, he's doing his bit. I mean, it's not like he hasn't been there. I mean, he went two tours of duty in uh, Afghanistan and. You know, he knows what's going on, and, and, and I think uh, uh, the regular people have a lot of respect for him, let's put it that way, the regular. I think given, um, I think of all of the current British royal uh, royal family, I think Harry is probably up there as, as you know, the number one at the moment, because he is just, <laughs> as much as you can be when you're, uh, second in line to the third in line to the throne, um, mm. normal. But he is, he's, he's been out there, he's been in Afghanistan, he's done the tours. Mind you, you've got to remember that his brother um, is also a frontline, albeit in search and rescue, helicopter pilot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, both, both brothers are, you know, seemingly pretty as normal as, you know, you can be. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, they do command a great deal of, of respect over here. Um, but it's the British way. We like to poke fun at them. Um, you yeah. know, we never, I don't think anybody stops reminding Harry that he's a ginger. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think they hold it against him too much. But, yeah, you're absolutely right. The two, the two boys do have a great deal of respect. Um, and and did, was, it, was it his uncle that fought in the uh, Falkland Wars? Uh, yeah, Prince Andrew, um, yeah. who's, uh, yeah, it would be his, it's his uncle. He was a helicopter pilot in the Falklands. Um, again, he served with distinction. Um, so, yeah, mind you, the royal family over here, uh, you know, our kings have always been fighting, kings and que- uh, kings have always been fighting wars, so uh, it's not unknown. You know, we've lost a few. We, we've lost a few in wars and then found them later under car parks. My mind, Steve. <laughs> but, but that's true. I mean, you don't see, you know, you don't see like, uh, you know, Obama running in out there and doing anything, or, 
or any of the. You know, well, I, I should take that back. Uh, well, no, wasn't, I guess wasn't Bush uh, wasn't Bush a Vietnam pilot? Yeah, he was. He was a pilot as well. I mean, there are many like that. Andrew Jackson, of course, and uh, you know John Glenn. The, 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 John Glenn, but he wasn't a president, but that's okay. We'll, we'll accept that as well. Anyways, um, I guess we're still having problems with, I guess, for a guy who does radio. Uh, I can't understand that, but hey, it is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyways, you are coming over here in um, October for a spur request, and tickets are on sale now if you go to our website, uh, com. the letter N, the letter E, ghostproject.com. And if you, we actually have a, a special deal, $100 off the weekend if you sign up before June 30th. So that's kind of cool. I'm, I'm really looking forward to meeting you. And I understand you're going to bring a little bit of these bits of these uh, historic stuff that you uh, uh, have hoarded over there. Well, I'm not going to give too much away, but yes, I uh, I will be bringing one or two things with me to uh, help out during the during the this day. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to give you any clues as to what they no, are. No, not at I all. Think, I think people will be interested, and uh, I think we've got some experiments designed as well to uh, to put them to good use while we're over there. Plus, I'm hoping to learn more about some of these great gadgets you American ghost hunters. <laughs> <laughs> seem to be so fond of. I, you've got some. You've got. I mean, you know, I've always said that ghost hunters are perhaps the most inventive people of them all. Um, and there's a, a company I, I, that regularly advertise their wares on on uh, eBay. Um, and I, I don't suppose it's. I, know, I won't really name them, but they're very very fond of making things out of. Uh, molded plastic and putting brightly coloured lights on lights, bits of see-through lights are important ac- lights are important uh, yeah. bits of see-through acrylic yeah I mean one of the new devices seems to change colour um, depending on oh, the temperature as the temperature that. it's like a little portable disc attack um, I love you it you know shade, yeah. shades of the 1970s um mm-hmm. You know, it's how, whatever use it is, ghost hunting wise, I've no real idea, but uh, they assure me that it's several hundred dollars well spent. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, you know. No uh, doubt you've got several of them, though. I have uh, different devices, you know. I'd be poor if I bought them all, to be honest with you. Um, but, anyways, <laughs> I, I, I had to admit that. Um, I find them fascinating. I really do. I like the little gadgets. Uh, uh, you know, they keep coming up with more, and and I, I don't know. They're very creative as well. Yeah, but it's, it's, isn't the danger that you know? I mean, people, you and I might might treat them for what they are—a uh, little bit of fun, something interesting and novel to maybe show the show uh, people on investigations. But the sad truth is, people are actually genuinely using them and interpreting the flashing lights and the bleeps and the whirs and the bangs from these devices as communications or proof of some form of afterlife or, or a ghost or, or, God forbid, a demon being nearby and then acting upon that information. This is true. This is absolutely true. But, you know, once again, uh, that's their own beliefs. I mean, you can... Um, to point out certain things to them, but when it comes down to the very end of it, um, you know, it's it's their own beliefs. Whatever you say doesn't really matter sometimes. Uh, well, I, I've always got a problem with that 
allow people to um, you know have their own beliefs unchallenged because <laughs> because it can, can we find a couple of couple of words yeah, for that i don't know <laughs> it can lead into dangerous situations you know if 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 things go unchallenged then there's no place really for truth is there or there's no place for science either there's oh, no place for... shouldn't be unchallenged it certainly should be challenged and yeah and but if you we... ultimately leave somebody to to make their own mind up you know is the earth still flat just because somebody believes it's flat or is it ultimately spherical on the other line, if you, for instance, we would have never known it was spherical if somebody didn't go against the trend and say it isn't flat. Well, there's another myth, isn't there? Because it's never been flat. Um, even even the Egyptians realised it was a ball. Um, you know, yeah, but like, it was it was the accepted. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. It's what, it's a myth. It's a myth. Um, there are there are some people who believe that the Earth was flat, but there was a great many people believed in it. And once you went through the pillars of Hercules, you know, all bets were off. Yeah, but if you look at the at the uh, Greek, Roman, and Egyptian cultures, I think even the Assyrians realized that the Earth was actually the Chinese did too, of course, uh, that the okay, Earth was so spherical. Let's make it something a little bit easier for you to understand. Then, okay. Okay. The, the Americans won the War of Independence. The Earth, the Earth is, uh, you know, goes around the sun, and the sun does not go around the Earth. So originally, we thought the sun went around the Earth. I know you that's absolutely agree, true. You can agree with me on that. I can agree with you on that one totally. So the, there you go. So if somebody didn't buck the trend and say, okay, no, it isn't the. Uh, the sun that goes around the earth, it's the earth that goes around the sun, then we'd probably be still thinking of it the other way. But anyway. But so that's not how what we... you said. What? What you actually said was people can make up their own minds and their beliefs. Well, I said people will make up their own minds. I didn't ah, say I see. Okay. They I'm will sure. make up their own minds. Sadly, they will. And, and, <laughs> and, you know, I mean, if you don't have, if you have, com everybody... Uh, conforming to the same things, then you, you never have invention. You never have uh, independent thinking. Uh, you know, it's it's uh, one of those futuristic societies, I believe. <laughs> go on, I'll go with you on that one. Okay. So, anyways, uh, I sent the message to our guest, and uh, hopefully, if he has another number or something, he will get back to us. But. Um, I do believe that we have a new cemetery tripping, which you haven't heard before. So why don't we play that before we uh, go on with this? So uh, can we play the cemetery tripping first, please, Sabrina? Sabrina? Okay, this is going good. <laughs> I've got to Maybe say, Sabrina, I hope Sabrina doesn't look anything like her photograph that I'm looking at now of uh, talking at. Really? Do you Wait, see the same photograph it. I see? I don't. I'm not on Torginet. Ah. I have about well, there you go. three or four screens that I have to monitor. So, anyways. Okay. This is going really well tonight, isn't it? This is what. Yeah, don't worry about it. Li live radio. Li absolutely mm -hmm. live radio at its best. Yes, it is. Um, so, anyways, uh, <laughs> you see what happened to our, our boy, uh, Richard Felix? Um. Well, he seems to have recovered quite well because he was over in Northern Ireland this week um, with some American visitors at uh, the Crumlin Road Jail. So I'm guessing he's he's up to something over there. Mm 
Mm-hmm. Um, and his arm seemed to have healed fairly well. It, he, he was... He wasn't waving it round in a sling, or there was no obvious plaster, so I guess he recovered fairly quickly. Okay, I understand now we do have the cemetery tripping, and so now we will play it. Okay. So here we... Welcome to Cemetery Tripping, where I feature a different cemetery in each episode. If you'd like to see my cemetery photography, please visit my Cemetery Tripping page on Facebook. Today I will tell you about Hillside Cemetery, located in the mountainous town of North Adams, Massachusetts. I was fortunate to be visiting this area about a month ago while participating in a paranormal investigation of the Houghton Mansion, also in North Adams. Hillside Cemetery is an appropriate title, as it is located amongst the rolling hills in the mountains of this beautiful town. Many of the graves have suffered the fate of toppling over due to the extreme hillside conditions there. But there is some beautiful statuary and wonderful carvings throughout this very large cemetery, which I'm told has earned the title of being the only cemetery in America with a highway running through the middle of it. The cemetery was founded in 1798 and was added to the National Register of Historic Places in 2001. The parents of a young girl named Olive Knight, who died at age 18, owned the land. The mother, Lellis Knight, gave the entire hill to the town for use as a common burial ground in 1798. Perhaps one of the largest and most prominent monuments in the cemetery is the Sullivan Monument, built in the 1930s, which features a 10-foot sexy Art Deco angel. It is quite a modern-looking stone for the cemetery and stands apart on a ledge. It has an Art Deco skyscraper design with an angel wearing a sheer gown with wings that double as a halo. The face was supposedly modeled after one of the Sullivan cousins, Alice Nagel. Across busy Route 2, on the other side of the cemetery, stands the impressive mausoleum of the Tinkers. Edward Richmond Tinker was a prolific industrialist and at one point manufactured gunpowder in Clarksburg, which ended when the plant blew up. He played a significant role in the construction of the Hoosick Tunnel, a major railway that runs through the mountains of North Adams. He was also involved in politics, although he never ran for an office, and made a crucial speech for Abraham Lincoln at the 1860 Republican Convention in Chicago. It was a pivotal speech which aided Lincoln in winning the nomination, and Tinker and Lincoln remained close friends. I especially enjoyed the beautiful Art Deco-style doors on the mausoleum, the gorgeous stained-glass window within, and that it's always decorated with fresh flowers or a wreath whenever I have visited it. There are many other interesting stones in the cemetery, but perhaps the awesome views are part of the biggest draws to this location. Mr. Ron Van Helsing Kolick accompanied me on this particular cemetery tripping exploration and wandered around the grounds through planting toppled American flags on veterans' graves. Kudos to Ron for hanging in there while I photographed over 150 markers. If you have the opportunity to visit this charming town, which also houses the Mass Mocha, Massachusetts Museum of Contemporary Art, set aside some time to explore Hillside Cemetery. So there you go. Cemetery tripping. Very big by any I'm still trying to get my head around the sexy Art Deco angel. I saw it. It was pretty interesting, actually. The thing was huge, giant, giant, giant. And it was kind of, yeah, it was kind of sexy, to be honest with you. But that's the way it is in America. 
Can you have sexy angels, though? Is that legal? Uh, probably not, but... Uh, well, you know, I mean, if you go into the the Bible, and you actually look in the Bible, and, uh, it, you know, it, in the... Uh, was it Sodom and Gordon, whatever was that? Through those two cities. Uh, no, I think you get muddled up there with Lord of the Rings, aren't you? Boromir. No, 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 no. No, I know, I know my Bible. Uh, the two cities <laughs> there, but uh, the two cities, uh, they, they actually try to uh, attack the angels uh, and have sex with them, so there you go. Okay. So you, uh, angel, angels can be sexy, so there you go. Okay, I wouldn't run that past the Vatican, but there you go. No, it's true. It's it's. What do you mean? It's. I've heard it in church. How can you beat that? I'm saying nothing. I'm just going <laughs> to sit quiet, quietly <laughs> while you sink yourself. And you know, you're going to have Westboro. Uh, you're going to have the Westboro Church outside, outside the station in five minutes if you keep this up. No, they love me. No. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways. So, Steve, I mean, uh, you were on uh, Rick's show, even though he's not on ours. And uh, what, what did you talk about? Did you talk about the infrastructure? I, I heard something about infrastructure, infrasound, that's what it is, infrasound. Uh, we, we did discuss infrasound. Um, mm -hmm. I was quite keen to get Rick on because, obviously, um, we're all over here in the UK. We're very familiar with uh, the media, the TV American ghost hunters, and I, I guess that colours our, our our impression of of American ghost hunters. Mm -hmm. um, and having spoke to Rick and got to know Rick over the past few months, um, and read many of his posts on 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 his blog and on Facebook, mm -hmm. um, I think he he puts across a, a completely different. Um, side of of ghost hunting um you know a more serious and more measured side much more in, in keeping with perhaps my own my own uh, beliefs uh, my own approach towards the subject and i was quite keen to to get rick on um to sort of assuage the the idea that those brits might have uh, about american ghost hunters that they're all you know plumbers and they all drive around in dark and blacked out uh, vans with uh, you know great flight cases full of equipment and spend their entire time fighting demons um in front of television cameras but i mean so well there are some out there but you don't hear about them because nobody wants to really hear about that type of ghost hunter we want to you know we want to uh be the one that has the exciting stuff going on they're on tv you know so well, I mean, you and I know that, but I was, you know, giving giving people the opportunity to uh, meet a fellow ghost hunter from from across the the pond, other than yourself, of course. Um, I mean, I, over over the years, I've got to know quite a few American ghost hunters uh, and groups, and there are you know there are some really really good ones. Um, there are some really dodgy ones as well, but there are some really good ones. Um, and, you know, a lot of good work is being done, both sides of the Atlantic, by amateur researchers, uh, as I've said all along. Uh, mm -hmm. But inevitably, it's only the headline-grabbing media ones or the ones who come up with you know, the lurid headline, uh, fighting demons, or I've got 50 ghosts in my house, as we've got one over here that's saying at the moment. Uh, you know, these are the attention-grabbing... Uh, uh, 
headline acts and they're the people who you know uh, they're the, the public remember they don't remember the you know, the the work that's quietly going on in the background mm-hmm. uh, and has been going on in the background for you know decades both sides of the atlantic well um, i hear the music which means we have to take a break cool. so uh anyways you are listening to ghost chronicles international with mr parasite steve parsons and new england's own van helsink ron Kolak, and we'll be right back here on Pararex, Tojinet, Ghost Channel, and beyond. Welcome to Tojinet, radio with a cutting edge. Feel the need to do some soul searching or make some changes in your life to create a more positive future? Then Circles of Wisdom is just the place for you. Circles of Wisdom is a metaphysical bookstore and more, located on Route 28 in downtown Andover, Massachusetts. We carry a large selection of books and music, crystals and gemstones, jewelry and gifts, sage, aromatherapy, and so much more, all in a relaxing and welcoming atmosphere. We offer classes on a variety of topics like yoga, Reiki, psychic development, alternative healing, and personal transformation. For guidance on this journey we call life, get a reading from one of our many readers at Circles of Wisdom, 90 Main Street in downtown Andover, right next to Bertucci's. Call us at 978-474-8010 or check us out on the web at www.circlesofwisdom.com. Lots to see and do in a feel-good place, an oasis in this hectic world. Kerrigan, the blonde bombshell, and I'm the lead investigator of East Bridgewater's Most Haunted. And we'd like to invite you to tune in Ghost Chronicles, the next generation, every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on www.toginet.com. So, so yeah, what are they going to hear on this stupid show? What are they going to hear? They are going to hear things that they can't believe are happening. Like uh, Beyond Bizarre. And Cemetery Tripping. Oh, that's your deal, right? Absolutely. Yeah, one of these days you're going to get so scared of one of these cemetery tripping things that uh, I'll have to get a new (laughs) co-host. I am brave beyond belief. Yeah, I will say. scares me. So anyways, if you're bored and you got nothing to do on Wednesday night, tune in to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation with Dan and Ron. See you then. back you are listening to ghost chronicles international with steve parsons and ron Kolick right here on tojinet pararex ghost channel and beyond so there you go i've got a question oh i've got an answer many answers <laughs> have you noticed and is is there a reason do you think um why currently 
Uh, so many people are talking about health and safety issues um, on ghost hunts because over here we've now got some groups wearing face masks and uh, and the such and talking about uh, you know take care when you're on an investigation and I, well, I mean, that's just, kind of common sense. Well, I mean, you know, our group wear hard hats occasionally, but you know, some yeah. of them are now, some of them now seem to be going to to excesses with uh, some sort of fume or dusk masks and white well, paper suits. You and, know what happens, Stephen? I, I can't give you the names because you know I'm really bad with names. But um, there was a ghost hunting group over here, and uh, they were going in an old building, and the wife of one of the ghost hunters. Uh, ended up dying because uh, she breathed in some type of uh, a virus or something that was, you know, diamond. I mean, because there's a lot of stuff like, for instance, mouse droppings and stuff can cause, uh, you know, fatal uh, uh, viruses. So yeah, that's what happened. So I wonder if it has something to do with that. Uh, I guess, but I, I also recall, I mean, wasn't it, uh, was it last year or the year before there was the unfortunate incident where some of the ghost hunters were killed on a railway track? Yeah, uh, down south. Investigating a, a, a trestle or a tunnel? Yes, they uh, thought it was a ghost looking, train, but guess what, it wasn't. Yeah, guess what, it wasn't. I, I'm just wondering, has anybody gone back to see if they're now haunting the track? Yeah, that's interesting, I, I wonder. Uh, the thing is, though, that, that's a good point, because, in fact, on the other show, that was one of the points brought up, brought up as, for instance, and, and I don't mean this in any uh, negative way, but some, we were asked the question, well, why wouldn't you go to where the, for instance, this bombing was at the, the Boston Marathon? And it's like, why would you even say that? You know, I mean, these people have just passed, and, and they certainly have loved ones that are alive. I mean, that's not what we do in, in reality. I mean, it's it's just, uh, you know, it's just hard. I mean, I just, but uh, that question was asked. And I, I think we, if you do investigate, I think it's more to investigate the past. And then we're talking about the far past rather than the recent past. I wish that was the case, but even over here, and you know, there have been instances where um, investigators have come very, very close to the modern day and to uh, the, the living. In fact, I think even most haunted managed to put its foot in it on a couple of occasions. Um, perhaps most notably, the British rem- uh, listeners might remember the the Camel Aird episode, the shipyard episode involving uh, the the claim of a hit and run accident. Um, the famous Cortina Man case it became because the vehicle that was uh, supposedly involved was a brown Cortina. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the events described were within living memory. And what, what unfortunately transpired following that is um, the people who were at working at the shipyard and indeed in the office um, that had been identified as the office belonging to the driver of the hit-and-run vehicle uh, were still very much alive and, still v- and were very, very indignant about the possibility of having been named and suggested. Um, you know, almost reminiscent in some ways of the, of the very famous, um, this isn't a joke either, uh, Scratching Fanny, the Cock Lane Poltergeist, uh, were the, 
were, were the were the ghost, uh, you know, uh, seemingly came forward and accused a living person of of a murder by poisoning. Um, you know, and there are other instances too where, where people have been accused and indeed uh, have found themselves in court um, on the say-so of a spirit, ghost, or apparition, um, somewhat rather akin to the to the Salem witch trials um, in some respects. Um, but you know, people do. Uh, I think they get a bit carried away with the idea of investigating in inverted commas the the idea of ghosts and spirits and yeah you know there have been cases where people have been um investigating a roadside very very or too soon after an incident where mm-hmm. somebody's died um and you know, have got have publicly gone to the the media told them all about their adventures there and completely disregarded the 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 living the the relatives the the survivors you know that's the other thing that's kind of my my uh, pet peeve i guess steve is that a lot of times uh we do investigations and i mean we as a ghost hunting community and not everybody uh and they will come up with things. They'll, you know, somebody who has passed, and they'll say, "Oh, well, he was a pedophile," and he was. I mean, and here's someone who's dead and cannot defend himself, and yet you have some medium or psychic uh, saying, you know, horrible things about a person who has passed, and yet there's no proof at all. Do you know the amount of times I've been on an investigation, a public investigation, or a, a spooky ghost night, and that's happened with the medium um, has come forward, and indeed on television too. Um, you know, we all know that famous line: um, "He's a bad nivy. He's a bad nivy." Um, <laughs> you know, it it's great for television. It's great for the media. It's great for the idea of this. We, we talk. Uh, was it last week, the week before, about uh, the way we've had to ra- uh, ghost hunters have ramped up the fear factor? We've gone from, you know, the the boring old headless ghost and the white n- the white lady floating through the building uh, to demons and uh, you know ghost hunters becoming exorcists. And mm-hmm. it, it's rather li- it's rather along those same lines, isn't it? it? It's the spirits themselves have got to become only the spirits of bad people. Uh, only the spirits of pedophiles, only the spirits of murderers. Um, it, it, you know, in, in, in a lot of ways, perhaps it's it's almost like the movie Poltergeist. Um, in fact, I've been on I've been on public investigations where it's starting to end up, uh, you know, being very reminiscent of the of the um, screenplay from Poltergeist, with you know these poor little spirit children trapped and held by this evil. Uh, possessing spirit, uh, male spirit, who won't let them go, and then another spirit has to be, or the medium, you know, valiantly comes in and rescues them and sends them to the light and does battle with the evil spirit, and and all this going on, you know, under the guise of a public ghost hunt. Um, you know, it's 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 far from uncommon. You know, it, it just it, the more I do this, the more amazing I I, I am. I mean. It, it's you know people will for instance they'll they'll claim to be scratched or or uh, mocked by spirits and and they wear it like a badge like uh, okay see what happened I got scratched isn't that cool uh, you know so 
what is the reasoning behind that? Is that, I, I'm not getting it. I mean, are you there to really investigate something or are you there just for a thrill? I think it's more than that. I think what you're missing there is the, the, the desire for, I think it's the, it's the impressing the others factor. Um, yeah, I, I remember once we were at uh, Barclay Castle with Richard Felix, and there was a, a, a group there unrelated to what Richard and, uh, was doing, um, and they were playing around with a, a homemade Ouija board, and the, the, the glass was just aimlessly going round and round in circles until somebody declared, well, if it's going anti-clockwise, does that mean it's, it's evil? At which point the leader of the group suddenly leapt forward and said, are you the spirit that, that's been attacking me? Are you the spirit that's been following me? I, I, and, and launched into this verbal battle, um, you know, confronting this spirit and uh, chanting at it and saying, you know, the battle will continue and he won't be defeated. Uh, all very, very impressive. And, of course, you know, the, the people, the, the members of the public who were around the table were, uh, you know, uh, a mixture of shock, shock and awe, horror, uh, fear. Um, you know, his personal bragging rights went through the roof after that. Um, what was really going on, I've no idea whether he was doing it for his own personal um, kudos, whether he genuinely believed what was taking place, you know, that he was fighting demons on a nightly battle who were, you know, set to possess him and his family and do him harm. I, I don't know whether he was believing the delusion or just selling the delusion. Right. I mean, th there are groups that are out there that that's what they do. I believe there's a group called the... Oh, oh, I can't think. I, I messed the name up. But something like the Order of St. Michael's uh, Ghost Hunters or something like that. And that's what they do. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, they're just, uh, just demon fighters. And, uh, you know, I mean, there are all different types of groups. And, and if, you, if you're honest about why you're doing it, then I really don't see a problem if that's what everybody knows why you're doing it. But it, to disguise it sometimes, I, I think it's uh, very deceiving uh, and it certainly hurts other groups too that they, that do it for different reasons. Uh, it, certainly, it certainly damages, I think, overall um, the reputation of the uh, subject under investigation. If we go back, you know, to the... Uh, early part of the 20th century, there was quite a movement toward making uh, spontaneous case research and general psychical research into uh, an area for academic uh, study. And there were a number of universities that were considering and indeed set up academic departments. Uh, Harry Price was a great driver um, for this idea of setting up... Uh, university departments specifically to study psychical phenomena including ghosts and hauntings but let's be honest i mean since the since the sort of early 21st century late 20th century um you know most academics wouldn't go near ghost hunting uh, with a barge pole it would be academic suicide for them uh, mm -hmm. you know they really you know they really do uh themselves and the subject no favours when they when they adopt this approach. It might be great for business and it might be great for pulling the crowds in. Um, but, you know, in terms of moving forward our knowledge, um, it's perhaps not so great. 
But, uh, you know, if people want to go out and have a night out in a haunted mansion or a, uh, an old castle or a lighthouse, I've got no issue with that at all. It's great. Uh, you know, great night's entertainment. But, you know, sell it as that. Um, and I'm just looking out of the window as we're speaking because we've got hurricane force winds forecast for tonight. And, uh, really? Yeah, we've got this little storm that's, that's just nipping across the southwest of Great Britain, and we're just so that should energy. increase paranormal activity, right? Because of all this um, energy and the it's, winds, and... it's certainly making the trees because uh, uh, they're just starting to come into into leaf, and a lot of them are uh, leaning over at quite a strange angle. Sorry about that. I was just just distracted by the weather. There you go. So, I mean, let, I want to go back a little bit to you know you as a collector of. Uh, okay. History in the bo- in oh, the bone collector, <laughs> the bone collector. There you go. I mean, it, it it it's to hold a piece of history in your hand. I think awes a lot of people. I believe. I mean, you know, they they've got something. Uh, you know, for instance, I was talking to our producer from the other thing, and he held a uh, couple of checks that Babe Ruth had signed. Uh, and, uh, you know, he was just basically awed by that. He just was so thrilled that he was able to do that. And, and, and yet it's nothing. It's just paper that was signed. Why, why, you know, why is that so important to us, to especially certain people that, that have this history uh, in their hands or in their view? Do you know, I really... You know, I've, I've, I was pondering it the first time you asked, um, yeah. and, I've, and, I'm, and I've actually stood next to you know a large collection of old books on psychical research, which are, you know are useful to for the information content. But it's more than that; it's the fact that they are you know the old original copies because the information is freely available on the internet, uh, mm-hmm. and and you know for my Kindle or ebook reader. So it's not for the information's sake; it's for the sake of uh, of having it, of of being able to touch it, to connect with it in some way. Um, I've got you know a large collection as you. As you as you probably remember, of religious ephemera, mm-hmm. stuff from lords and crucifixes and holy relics and medals. And, and I don't know why. It's just a fascination. It's just this idea that this item has been revered for so long. It's been important and cherished by other people. Um, I don't really think of it in a mystical way, um, that it has magical or mystical properties, um, mm-hmm. at least not but, consciously. But you said a key word there, Steve. You said a key word. You said connection. I have a connection with it. And, and maybe that is. Yeah. Maybe that's, that's some type of a, a, you know, a, a, a device to connect us with that time, with that person, whoever had it, or, or that whatever circumstances is involved with that particular item. But I don't know who these items belong to. Um, you know, I, I've no that idea. That makes it even more interesting. I guess it does. But one of the great <laughs> things that you know, I've often said, one of the great privileges uh, about about the hobby that we have, 
um, is that, um, particularly in relation to some of the media side of it, is the opportunities to visit behind the scenes some fabulous locations and to get to, 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 get to really know a location and the families or the people that live and work there. Um, you know, we can all go and visit a castle as a tourist, but how many people really get the opportunity to spend more than a few hours there and with the family that lives there to, to become part of that, built, that location, albeit for a very brief period of time. And that, you know, that's always been a great privilege and a great joy about, about the, the, the activity that I do. Um, and, I, you know, I get an immense thrill when we go to a location, a historic location, and get to spend time there. Um, you know, it's a, it's a huge thrill and a huge privilege. And I guess, you know, to answer your question, I think you asked at the start whether there was a spiritual component. Having considered it during the programme, I guess the honest answer is probably yes, there is. Um, you know, it does fulfil a need, a need that I can't necessarily uh, put into words or explain articulately, but I would feel very lost without my collection of ephemera and my, particularly the books. And it's not for the loss of information in the books because almost all of the old books um, are they don't get opened, they don't get read because the information I already have available in electronic form um, in a much more acceptable uh, way. And quite often, if I've got an old book, I'll buy a, a paperback version of it as a reader copy. Um, so it is about possession. It is about ownership. It, it, it's about being able to touch that book from, from the 16th or 17th century um, right. and to connect with it in some way a more direct link to the past than than just reading about it. Uh, so, let's build on that. So, it, uh, are ghost hunters basically striving for the same thing? Do we have that same connection? Why we're doing that? Are we trying to, re, you know, recover the past or, or be the past or whatever it is, or, uh, connecting with the past through ghost hunting? Uh, well, I can only speak for myself, yeah. um, and the answer to that is no. Um, okay. For me, the ghost hunting is driven purely by a desire to understand what's happening. Uh, a fa uh, not just a desire, but an innate fascination to try and understand what's happening. You know, I've read the stories. Uh, I grew up with, with, with ghost stories and, and visiting haunted places. Uh, but I wanted more than just the story. I wanted more than just to see it. I wanted... I, I guess... I guess most of all, if you want to find out what's at the root of most ghost hunters, is that, honestly and truly, they want to see a ghost. They want to share the experience of the people, you know, that they've read about or other people that they've heard about. Um, you know, that th we've read the accounts of, uh, you know, Harry Price at Borley or the SPR investigators at, at B House. And we can only read about it, but in some way by, by going on other investigations and trying to search for our own answers, we are in part sharing the adventure and sharing that discovery. Um, is that just is that just a uh, a side uh, benefit of it? I mean, I, I no. do ghost hunting no, they, because I want to understand. 
That's why I do it. And that's why yeah. I look at all things. I look at all the gadgets. I look at the spiritual stuff, dowsing and, and glass swirling and things, because I want to understand. And, and that's kind of why I do it. Yeah, but I, say, I, I, I said I can only answer for me. Um, mm -hmm. In relation to the, the gadgets, um, yeah, we need some technology because we need to be able to measure some things. But I don't have, and people that know me know I'm a terrible gadgetaholic, but I don't have a fascination for the ghost hunting gadgets because they don't, they don't do anything. They're, they're just boxes with flashing lights that are meaningless. Um, they're not telling me anything. You know, I, can, I could go away and make a box with flashing lights on it, and it would, just, you know, it would be every bit as useful as something made by one of these companies. But I do, do use equipment but, you know, if, uh, for, for measuring things that need to be measured as part of the investigation process. I... I Ten years ago, I might have I might have gone out and bought some of these gadgets, and you know it's perfectly true that when we do some of the in, uh, research work that involves other people's claims, you know they've used the K2 meter uh, mm -hmm. and they've got these extraordinary results with it. Then, in order to test those claims, then we have to use that same piece of equipment under some sort devise some sort of experimental protocol to test those claims to see if well you know is is are spirits and ghosts actually communicating with K2s, or are these people just imagining it? Um, and so, you know, my path does cross these pieces of equipment. Um, but I, I wouldn't go out and just fill up a, a gadget bag and then take them on an investigation and expect to get any results with them. Um, but, yeah, you know, I've got a lot of equipment, um, but it gets used in a possibly a different way, um, it gets used when it needs to be used. Mm -hmm. I, I do want to uh, mention one thing before I do leave. And, and Heather Cole, who is a, a listener of the show, uh, it's her birthday today. So I want to wish her uh, happy, happy birthday. birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy that birthday, a... dear Heather. Happy birthday to you. That, that's amazing. That was our pet ghost. Wow, that, that's 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 really good. And I also want to uh, give a shout out to uh, Yashu from Poland, who sent me a letter. Believe it or not, a letter. Do you know what a letter is? Oh yeah, yeah. We yeah, get them every day over here. Yeah, a letter, and uh, he listens to the show in Poland. Actually, him and his friends do, and uh, they have a name for me over there. I read this on Facebook. What is it they call you? He the man walks with, with the dead. The man with the funny hat who walks with the dead. No, not the man with the funny hat. <laughs> <laughs> but you don't have I, baseball caps over there? What's the story? Of course we have baseball caps. It's just we take them off occasionally. Why? Why? Be, well, I have no idea why. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, that just reminded me. When, when I come over for Ghost Chronicles, I have a special baseball cap for you. Oh, God, no. What? No, you're going to love this. This is a 21st century ghost hunter's baseball cap. You are oh, going to love it. No. Oh, no. Now I'm worried. Oh, no, I wouldn't be worried. I'd be really looking forward to it. Okay. This is this is and you think you like you think you like your gadgets and your tech. This is Uber tech. Uber tech. Oh, that's a good word too. I love Uber. Uber's a good Uber word. Uber tech. 
uh, we should actually name a group Uber Ghost Hunters. Or probably is one, right? Almost certainly. You know, I was actually thinking about that the other day, and, uh, uh, you know, it seems like if you're going to be a ghost hunter, the first thing you have to do is come up with a cool name, right? Yep. Yep. And, and Facebook you, page. A Facebook page and Logo, shirts. 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 Mugs. Yep. yep. And um, also, you, you have to get a uh, internet radio show. And uh, then, of course, you have to sign with a paranormal agent, and then you are an official ghost hunter. I'm sorry, what is this about agents? Why, why would ghost hunters need agents, for heaven's sake? Oh, we have a lot of them over here. Everybody's signing. Really? Them. Yeah, yeah. Now, you're going to have to explain this. So I, cannot I cannot conceive or imagine why a ghost hunter would want an agent. Well, in order to be a ghost hunter, you course have to be attending events and stuff and uh, okay. get paid for that of course as well uh, so that's why you need an agent well I've done one or two events um, but I still cannot conceive why I would want uh, or why any ghost hunter would want an agent I mean ghost hunting is probably you know, I can't think of anything less less requiring of an agent and less celebrity you know a medium okay you've got a product to sell um mm -hmm. you can do readings for people um mm -hmm. but you know I, I write for a magazine over here and one of the one of the uh, they don't pay you for doing it but what they say is if you've got anything you can have a free advert in the magazine and i'm going well you know well i'll write for you but i don't have anything to sell mm -hmm. you know you can't you know, people have offered me stalls at ghost conventions um, in order, you know, in, in exchange for me speaking at the convention. But, you know, it would just be a bare table. Um, yeah, I wouldn't even dream of, of annoying people by putting a photograph of me on it. I cannot conceive or imagine why a ghost hunter would want to sell anything, let alone, you know, themselves. Um, or, or need an agent. It's completely blown me away, that one. Ghost hunters wrong. have got agents. Yes, all of them. Yeah, all the good ones. Basically. All the good ones. Oh, well, that, well, well, that explains it then. Obviously, I haven't got an agent because I'm no good at it. There you go. You, you don't have the gadgets. You don't use the gadgets. I mean, that's right. That's that's your problem, Steve. I've I've always said that. There you go. When you come over here, we'll straighten you out. Though we'll we'll make you a proper ghost hunter. Can you get me an agent then? Oh, oh absolutely. A secret agent. They don't get you a book deal, too. That's not a problem. <laughs> that was the other thing is, uh, you know, people have asked, you know, when are you going to write a book? Well, if I had something to say, I'd write a book. But there's no point in me writing a book about ghost hunting because there's half a thousand of them already written. And most of them aren't very good. And uh, I couldn't contribute anything. There's the music. I have to cut you off, unfortunately. But didn't you write a book with our uh, good friend Karen O'Keefe? Uh, no. I, I assisted behind the scenes. All right, we got to wrap it up. Pizza is long gone, so it's time to say goodnight, everyone. So, uh, goodnight and uh, stay safe, and hopefully, uh, we'll have a guest sometime. <laughs> <laughs>